0: Taking a move that I make, I give it everything I got Cause that what it takes, I push the limit till it break The heart of the brave, the soul of a legend with the will to be paid. Hold up Welcome! <laughs> What's up everybody? Welcome to the latest edition of No Mercy coming at you As I love to do several times during the week Uh, Wherever you can find your podcast, you can find No Mercy with Stephen A. Smith. Feel free to go and subscribe to No Mercy with Stephen A. Smith. Anywhere, again, you can find your podcast. I'm here coming at you live from my L.A. studios because I'm in L.A. for the day. We're here in the studio thanks to our official studio sponsor, FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel is the official sports betting company of the No Mercy podcast. I got a lot of stuff on my mind, so let me get right to it. This. It's for Friday. It's a Friday. March 10th, I want, I want to make sure this is when I do my necessary takes. So instead of talking on just one topic, I focus on a potpourri of topics, a few things that are on my mind, a few things that are necessary for me to broach, and I want to make sure that I get them off my chest before the week ends. I started out the week doing touching on Chris Rock because Chris Rock had his live Netflix special Last Saturday night, we tore in and ripped in to Will Smith and to a lesser degree, Will Smith's wife, Jada Pinkett Smith. And there's been a whole bunch of uproars that are going on as it pertains to people's reaction about Chris Rock. Stop. Stop the BS. This man got slapped. On international television, not national television, international television. This is a global affair. Ladies and gentlemen, long after Chris Rock is gone, long after he's gone, long after his Netflix special tw- fades into the twilight, and nobody's thinking about the 20 million he earned, which is probably like six million, he walked away with after having to pay his agents, his managers, promoters, and everybody else, and taxes. Long after all of that is said and done. Chris Rock's going to have to live with the fact that he was slapped by Will Smith in front of a global audience. He will have to live with that for the rest of his damn life. That embarrassment, that humiliation. So when I look and I read an article with Will Smith, purportedly proclaiming he's embarrassed and hurt over Chris Rock's comments. You think you hurt as much as Chris Rock is? You think you're embarrassed as much as Chris Rock was? I'm talking about by what Chris Rock said. Specifically, that's the issue. Listen, I'm not, I'm not taking sides against the human beings. I'm taking sides against the incident himself. I don't know... Will Smith, I met him a couple of times, an iconic figure, a person that I loved and celebrated. And, and yes, I'm going to go watch Emancipation, although I haven't been able to watch anything of his since he did that because it was just so disrespectful. And I think I saw somebody, Michael J. White, who's acted in those Tyler Perry movies and you know also is big on martial arts. I'd love to meet him someday because I love that brother. I'm just a fan of his. But I think he was doing an interview on Vlad TV and they asked him, you know, if Will Smith had done it, he's like, stop, stop, stop. In other words, you know better. That would not have happened. But he talked about not having seen it, but reading about it and seeing the pictures and just to imagine the embarrassment, to embarrass Chris Rock like that. And now we're supposed to hear about Chris, uh, Will Smith's embarrassment? Are you kidding me? Seriously? According to the... I'm reading from the New York Post here. Will Smith was left, quote, embarrassed and hurt over Chris Rock's comments in his latest Netflix special, which reign- reignited the controversy. The famed funny man Chris Rock used his latest stand-up special to verbally clobber Smith for slapping him on stage at last year's Oscar ceremony. Chris Rock's uh, uh, stand-up last week was entitled Selective Outrage. Quote, Will is embarrassed and hurt by what Chris said about him and his family in his Netflix special, a source told Entertainment Tonight. He didn't watch it, but he had people telling what Chris said. The insider went on, adding that Will and Jada Smith have seen comments about it. Will apologize to Chris and would we'll like for Chris to let it go. Really? You don't slap a man. You damn sure don't do it on national television. In front of a global audience, by the way. I will remind you. Ladies and gentlemen out there that want to get at Chris Rock for this. And that includes Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith. I will remind you. Chris Rock could have had Will Smith arrested that night. It was his call. Chris Rock could have prevented Will Smith from going on stage and accepting his Oscar for his performance as best actor in the movie King Richards. Chris Rock not only could have sued Will Smith, do you know that Chris Rock could still sue? Do you know that Chris Rock can wake up today particularly in the world that we're living in, and decide this punitive damage is here. As he would say, he could play the victim, and he could say, yo, I'm still traumatized over this. I'm still scarred over this. My career has been hurt over this. Does any of y'all understand Just take back, step back and take a deep breath for a second. Chris Rock could have had Will Smith arrested that night. He did not do that. Chris Rock could have prevented Will Smith from going on stage to get his Oscar that night for his performance in King Richards, the best actor. He did not do that. Chris Rock could have sued. Will Smith. Jim Carrey, the co- comedian and actor, said he'd have sued Will Smith for over $200 million. I'm not saying Chris Rock could have gotten that much, but I promise you he would have got more than the $6 million that he probably walked away with from last week's stand-up for Netflix. He didn't do that. Did you know that Chris Rock could still sue Will Smith? Do y'all not know the times we're living in? Punitive damages. I'm scarred. There's a residual effect, residual impact. The man hit me, he assaulted me, he embarrassed me, he humiliated me. He compromised everything that I am. Chris Rock could have done all of that. And all he did was shut up for a year and then turn around and did a stand-up comic. He took it to the stage. Sherry Shepard, the lovely Sherry Shepherd, has got her own syndicated show. Who knows both Will Smith and Chris Rock, as she articulated. She pointed that out the other day on her show. They took it to the stage. That's what artists do. Taylor Swift, Beyoncé, Rihanna, the list goes on and on. They got something that's on their mind. They usually express themselves through their music. Comedians express themselves through comedy. People like myself express myself through commentary. The gifts that you have, the outlets and the platforms that are available to you are usually what you utilize to disseminate a message and express yourself. That's what Chris Rock did. Will Smith is an actor and an artist. Although he played one in the movie Ali. He's not a boxer. But you went up there and slapped Chris Rock. And now we're supposed to listen to how hurt he is, embarrassed he is, because Chris Rock went to the stage and pointed out how he did nothing to you. It was really your wife who did something to you. And I'm not here to disrespect Jada Pinkett Smith ever. I've been a fan of hers for years. I actually look forward to going on Red Table Talk one day. But the reality of the situation is, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to get real deep here for a quick second. Real deep, but simplistic in the same breath. This goes to men and women. Does any of us want people knowing our personal business when you got the kind of personal business that Jada Pinkett Smith and Will Smith had going on in their life? I challenge anyone to tell me how Jada Pinkett Smith's entanglement, A, was any of our business, and B, there's nothing inside of you that sat up there and said, my God what would this do to my husband? He is Will Smith, after all. How would this make him look? There's nothing? There's nothing inside of you that says that? I've met Will Smith twice in my life. I don't really know him. I am friends with Chris Rock. We talk all the time. He's a huge basketball fan. But let me tell you something right now. When I saw that conversation between Jada Pinkett Smith and Will Smith, the sorrow, the cringy-like feeling, the embarrassment, and the hurt that I felt for him was profound, and it ain't any of my business, and it has nothing to do with my life. That's how bad I felt for him, as I would feel for any man or woman who's being interviewed in a public forum by the person who cheated on them and is revealing they cheated on them. That is the definition and the personification of emasculation to a man. That is what happened. And the person that got hit or got embarrassed and humiliated was Chris Rock. He had every right. To say what he said, and by the way, I don't want to hear about this. He was talking about black people and all of this other stuff. First of all, he's telling jokes. I'm not talking about the Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smart here. I'm talking about him telling jokes about our selective outrage. Those of us who listen to Michael Jackson records but won't play R. Kelly. It was funny. Comedians are equal opportunity offenders. I go to a comedy. I go to a, a, a concert. Mike Epps made fun of my hairline one time. It was hilarious. Monique got on me another time. Said, Stephen, you better sit your ass in your seat getting in here late. And I'll be, I'll be dead if I didn't sit down with the quickness because I didn't want to be embarrassed. But if I was embarrassed, that's what comes with showing up at a comedy club or showing up to a comedy concert. For show, Equal opportunity offenders all the way around. Damn, this society has gotten soft. And I applaud all the comedians from Arsenio Hall and Leslie Jones and everybody in between for coming out and supporting Chris Rock the way that they did. The comedic community stood up and they were right to do so. That's all I got to say about this, because I got to transition from this. Chris Rock, Will Smith to Ja Morant. Only last thing I want to say about Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith when Chris Rock threw out the B word and all stuff. I'm not saying any of us have the right to do that, but he did. And by the way, when he used the B word and he mentioned Jada Pinkett Smith, he wasn't talking about black women. He was talking about her. Her. There is a difference between You insulting a specific individual because of how they came at you or your level of tension and friction with them as opposed to it being generalized and that's how you talking about everybody. Stop acting like we don't know the difference. Grow the hell up. I ain't saying it was right. I'm just saying we know who he was talking about. Stop acting like you don't know. What the hell are we going to do next? They get rid of all comedy, get rid of all comedians. Nobody should make us laugh. We want to define what people should laugh about. We too damn soft. I said I would get into John Morant, NBA star for the Memphis Grizzlies and some of his troubles up next, because it's a bigger issue going on. And it ain't really about John Morant. It's about something deeper than that. I'll explain what I mean in a minute. You're listening to No Mercy with Stephen A. Don't touch that dog. This is the moment of a lifetime. Uh The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gonna stop me high? Who gonna stop me high? Oh, don't you think for one second I ain't gonna get into Kyrie Irving? You know, spreading sage throughout uh, his environment while he spews his brilliance. Oh, I'm going to get into what he had to say about folks. Okay. But before I do that, I have to touch on one of his contemporaries because obviously, John Morant for the Memphis Grizzlies, a superstar in this league, he is something special. He is something special to behold. John Morant is in some trouble. He's got some issues. Last weekend, Um, It was discovered that he was on a video in Denver, Colorado, partying, singing and stuff like that, and he was waving a gun. And because of that, in fairness to him, credit to him, he almost immediately issued a statement accepting full responsibility for his actions, that he apologized for embarrassing and misrepresenting himself, his family, the city of Memphis, the Memphis Grizzlies organization, the NBA community, et cetera, et cetera, and that he was going to take some time away to, I'm paraphrasing here because I don't have a statement in front of me, but it's really not that important. He's just, I'm paraphrasing, he's saying that it he needed to step away to get himself together and figure out better ways to deal with stress. Shortly thereafter, the head coach for the Memphis Grizzlies, Taylor Jenkins, spoke about how on one hand, we're going to be a family and we're going to be here to support him. On the other hand, there is an accountability issue that has to be addressed and it has to be applicable to him as it would be anybody else. Fine statements from the Memphis Grizzlies. My point was immediately when that transpired, it was a couple of things that stood out in my mind. Number one, How do you go from being caught on video waving a gun to stepping away from the team and the team saying that you need help? That sounds like a bigger problem. Could be drugs, could be alcohol. I don't know. The fact of the matter is, is that there are videos of Ja Morant. Drinking, partying, that kind of thing. That's all we know. Obviously, as a guy that covered Allen Iverson for the first 10 years of his career, he found himself, not with a gun, but he found himself in somewhat similar situations in terms of the partying and the drinking. And that wasn't a pleasant time for me because I love Allen Iverson. He's my little brother. And our relationship has always been great, but it's significantly better now than it was in the past because in the past I had to cover him and there's a level of objectivity that I had to present in disseminating facts. And that is that in the case of John ja Morant, here's the bottom line, ladies and gentlemen, <clears throat> we have a superstar who just, who has an extension a five-year extension that kicks in next season. It hasn't even started yet where he will be paid in, potentially over $231 million. That doesn't include the Nike signature shoes coming his way with the Nike deal, particularly now that they parted ways with Kyrie Irving. It doesn't include Powerade, who had elected not to really invest in NBA athletes over the last five years to that degree, and they were about to really evolve a campaign around him. I mean, this dude's stardom has elevated to unworldly levels. Deservedly so. He's got a lot of heart, incredible skill. Memphis wins more than they lose. He's a face of the NBA. A face of a multi-billion dollar global brand. But well, we're talking about him and police. Which is what I brought up the other day. I'm not here to excoriate John Morant. I'm a fan. And I root for him and I hope that he's, that he's getting himself together in anything that we all can do to help. And for nothing else, the love of basketball and the love of witnessing greatness, we should want to do it. So I say all of that to say, you know, you hope that he gets himself together, but clearly, there's an issue. We don't know where he's at. We don't know if he is in the clinic. We don't know if he's at home. We don't know anything. We just know that he's expected to be out for a couple of weeks. He's getting himself together before he returns to play. That's all we know. My position was this. To your boys. Y'all ain't John Moran. Y'all ain't the ones playing. Y'all ain't the ones they're cutting checks for. It's your responsibility to protect him, even if it's from himself. I'm being hypothetical here. If you see him partying too much, take him home. If, If you see him drinking, encourage him to stop. If you see him doing selfies while doing so, snatch the damn camera away. You got to look out for him. I ain't saying anything to you that I don't expect for myself. I'm Stephen A. I'm in the media. I'm in the spotlight. I'm the face of ESPN. Now, I don't get involved in too much nonsense. But if I did, I assure you, I have people around me who would put a stop to that in a heartbeat. My assistant, my bodyguard, my sister, my brother-in-law, my cousin, my boys, they ain't having it. They ain't having it. There's no yes men in my inner circle. They put a stop to it in a heartbeat. And they'd look me in the face and they'd say, protect the asset. You're the asset. We ain't letting you do this. Thank God they've never had to, but they wouldn't hesitate to. That's what you surround yourself with. To his daddy, T. Morant. I like T. Moran. Seems like a really, really good dude. Love the fact that you're with your son. Showing up to games. Do you have to travel to all the games? No. Do you have to be his friend? No. I'm not in opposition to parents being friends with their children. As long as it's understood, you're the parent first. You're supposed to be the adult in the room. I'm just one of those people, ladies and gentlemen, I'm old-fashioned. There's no reason for a father to be at the same club as his son. Or a mama, for that matter. I'm not saying that's the case with John Moran. I'm just being hypothetical here. There's no reason for that. There's no reason for daddy to be in the same company as his son. There's no reason for that. Somebody has to be the adult in the room. And that has to be. I'm not saying what T. Morant is or isn't. I'm saying what he has to be. Everywhere we see Ja, we see you. And sometimes it's in places where 23-year-olds are and 40-plus-year-olds have no business being. And everybody's watching. Ladies and gentlemen, I've been covering the NBA for almost 30 years. I'm not asking you, I'm telling you. On the NBA's payroll, they've got off-duty police officers, FBI agents, DEA. They know everything. They know where you live. They know where your boys live. They know what girls you're messing with. They know whether you're doing weed or something more. They know whether or not you have a proclivity for strippers and strip clubs. They know Everything. Everything. And what pisses me off to no end is that when you're from the streets, you know people who've had their lives ended over hundreds of dollars. What do you think the NBA is going to do to protect a multi-billion dollar establishment? Or the NFL for that matter? Or Major League Baseball for that matter? Any of them? Their interest comes before yours. They will protect the brand at all costs. And for any NBA player, for any hanger-on, for anybody in their inner circle, which includes friends, family members, parents, siblings, et cetera, they know who you are. They know what you're doing. Go listen to Carmelo Anthony's interview on social media from a couple of years ago when he's telling that story about Commissioner David Stern, former Commissioner David Stern, God rest his soul, and what David Stern told him about how they know everything. They know everything. Everything that they want to know. Anything that's relevant and pertinent to their interest, their bottom line, they are going to go under every rock, They will probe every nook and cranny to find out everything they need to know so they can protect their investment. That is the way it is. They know all the noise. They know all the speculation. When it comes to T. Morant, look, man, for all we know, you can have bad eyes and you could be drinking Sprite. But when you're seen at a game with dark shades on, indoors with bright lights, constantly with a drink in your hand, sir, I'm not accusing you of anything. I would never do that. I like you. I love seeing fathers and parents supporting their children like that. But what do you think the league is thinking? What do you think about that imagery? Let's just be real here, y'all. And let's understand, you got to guard against it. That's all I'm saying. I'm not accusing T-Moran of anything wrong. I'm just saying, optics matter. It influences perception. And flesh, you know, perspectives and impressions influences actions as people probe to find out all that you're involved with. Do y'all really want that attention? It's the bottom line. And as an aside, I said this on my television show on ESPN called First Take. Comes on every weekday from 10 a.m. to noon Eastern Standard Time on ESPN. Dylan Brooks talking his smack to Draymond Green. Yeah, they went and backed it up on Thursday night, walloping the Golden State Warriors and Draymond Green. But that's not the point of the point that I'm bringing up. Dylan Brooks, when you talk and you exercise that level of bravado, by all accounts, I've heard nothing bad about Dylan Brooks in terms of his behavior off the court or anything like that. Tyus Jones and Jaron Jackson Jr. and and, and Stephen Adams and all of these players on the Memphis Grizzlies, I love their bravado. I love their moxie. I love the fact that they ain't scared of anybody, that they want all the smoke. You got to win now. But as it pertains to the John Morant situation, perhaps that's the time to be sensitive and to be a bit mellow and quiet because when you're sticking out your chest acting like the world and all the adversity that comes with it has no effect on you, and you're still going to do what you want to do. John Morant is your leader, he's your star. and so when you act like that, it makes people assume. Potentially the wrong things about Ja and what's going on in that locker room and what goes on amongst the people in that locker room, specifically Ja, once you depart from the arena. It's just a thought. You got to pay attention to all of this. It's relevant and it matters. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. I told y'all I would get to Kyrie Irving next, didn't I? I didn't lie to you. Don't touch that dial. Stick around. More's coming with Stephen A. On No Mercy in a minute. This is the moment of a lifetime. Uh-huh. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gonna stop me high? Who gonna stop me high? Oh, Lord. It just never ends. It just never ends. To piggyback off the point I was making about John Morant, just to close out this portion of that conversation, or that commentary, there's nothing wrong with parents wanting to reap the benefits once their children become successful. My mother never wanted anything from me, but then when I became successful, she didn't mind cruises. She didn't mind trips to Saint Thomas on my dime. Not at all. She deserved it. She, I, I'd give her anything. I'd give her, I wish she was here now. She's in heaven, but I wish she was here now. She'd be living in Saint Thomas. I'd see to it. Right back home, where she was born and raised, she'd have a house in the islands. Because that was always my dream scenario for her. There's nothing wrong with a parent benefiting from the exploits of their children. You raised them. You uplifted them. You encouraged them. You fed them. You put clothes on their back, a roof over their head. We all should aspire to be successful so our parents can reap the benefits. What I was saying about T. Morant as it pertains to his son Ja is just affectionate, friendly words of advice. Go ahead and reap the benefits. Just leave his lifestyle to him. Don't want that lifestyle. Because you ain't 23. That's all I'm saying. Because people see you in places where they see him and they're like, why is dad there? You do what you want. But that's what the NBA and people in the NBA community are saying, sir. I'm telling you what I know take it for what it is. I'm a fan. I love your son. I love the fact that you're involved. You're there supporting him. I wish y'all nothing but the best. Let me get to Kyrie Irving. You know, Kyrie Irving and I have had our differences, as everybody knows. I don't hide that. Our differences are none of y'all business, but they're differences. But it will never take away from the fact that I know that this brother is a spectacular talent. A talent that's worthy of a 200 plus million dollar contract. A talent that is box office that you walk through the turnstiles to see. A talent that we should marvel at and hopefully will be marveling at for years and years and years to come. No matter how annoying he is to me, That's the reality of his greatness. And as annoying as he is to me, and as much beef as we've had in recent memory because of the multitude of decisions that he's made as an NBA player, let me tell y'all this. Kyrie Irving is a good guy. Kyrie Irving doesn't wish harm or maliciousness upon anybody. I've had issues with his dad because of how his dad came at me. His dad is not a bad person. He gets a bit emotional and steps out of pocket, but he's not a bad person. You can't be a bad person when you raise somebody as good as Kyrie Irving is, when it comes to Kyrie Irving's philanthropy, the WNBA folks in Palestine. You know, trying to get water for those folks there. Some of his charitable and philanthropic actions over the years. Kyrie Irving is not a bad person. He can be annoying. I think he can be uppity and snobbish at times. But not malicious. Not evil. Not bad. He's not that guy. Having said all of that, it still doesn't negate the fact that this brother is just a bit loose. He's just a bit different. Did you see him on Twitch the other day? Never paid much attention to Twitch. Maybe I should. Because Kyrie Irving goes on there with his sage smoke everywhere, purifying the air around him because it's all unpure, okay? You understand what I'm saying? I mean, people, insects, food, just the air we breathe. I mean, he has to purify the air around him. And us peons, which he has called folks at times, he just wouldn't comprehend, you understand, the elevated level of intellect that comes associated with him. So you're going to be a peon because you're just not going to get it. Okay, we understand. Kyrie Irving goes on Twitch the other day. I just want to read you a portion of the quote that he put out there. You would think that I'm the cancer in the locker room. As if basketball is an individual sport that one person is supposed to take blame for. It's 15 guys on the team. And I'm the one cancer in the room. That's what it's portrayed as. That's what they have fun doing. That's what these older, bitter gentlemen and women keep my name in their mouths every day about. That is what Kyrie Irving said, amongst other things. Again, I will remind you, it's while he's spreading sage in his uh personal space at that particular moment in time. Well, let's count. Let's just dissect this. Because you see, when I think that Kyrie Irving does idiotic things, I'm not calling him an idiot. But there have been a few actions from time to time over the years that, dare we say, are pretty damn idiotic. This is one of them. This is one of them. First of all, you're just one of 15 players, huh? Ladies and gentlemen, Kyrie Irving right now is getting paid $38.9 million. Yeah, He's one of 15. Is Tim Hardaway getting paid $38.9 million? No. He's getting paid half that. Is David Pertons getting paid $38.9 million? No. He's getting paid less than half that. How about Christian Wood, Dwight Power, Reggie Bullock, Max Kleber, JaVale McGee, Josh Green? Are they getting paid $38.9 million? No. I love how dudes want to sit up there and go to the negotiating table and say, I'm this. I'm above this. This is the money that I deserve. But then when it's time to get on the court, And step up and step out. Now you just want to 15 guys. I've always had an issue with that. Because you see, when I go to the negotiating table for anybody that I work for, asking for the money that I want, yes, everybody has to do their job, but I understand that my responsibilities are more significant than theirs because I'm the one that's getting paid the bucks. I'm the face of the franchise. I'm that dude. And there's a responsibility that comes with it. I love it how guys want to gloss over that and ignore that and act like that's not applicable to them. Kyrie Irving is doing his thing. He's averaging 27 a game in his 11 games with Dallas. On 51% shooting from the field, 41% shooting from three-point range, he has been stellar. The Dallas Mavericks are 5-6. and six. And the way they're looking right now, they might go home in the first round. Second round at best. This is not a championship roster. That's not Kyrie's fault. But you still want to be paid like a champion, don't you? When you won a championship with LeBron, you wanted to lead because you wasn't trying to be a little brother to anybody. When you went to Boston, you wanted to lead. And then you left instead of lead. They won and had more success without you than they did with you. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, significantly younger, went to an Eastern Conference Game 7 Finals, an Eastern Conference Finals Game 7 without Kyrie, got bounced out in the second round with them. You told the Foyans fans in Boston you would stay if they'd have you and then left like a thief in the night. You were supposed to be going to the Garden with KD in New York. You convinced KD to go to Brooklyn. You rolled up in Brooklyn to establish your own legacy. In three and a half years, after missing more than 50% of your games, you got one playoff series victory to show for it. And then in your introductory press conference in Dallas, you had the audacity to tell fans there, you did your job. You left you departed from the Brooklyn Nets. They were in fourth place. You a champion and you were talking about fourth place. Like you did your job. And now you in Dallas, who is a top four seed, top five seed when you arrived. Several games above 500 and their game under 500 with you. Meanwhile, you're looking for $200-plus million. Bradley Beal got $251 million. Zach Levine got $215 million. John Morant's got over $230 million coming to him over the next five years. You hoping somebody will invest more than one year at a time in you. But we bitter because we bring it up. Because I'm going to assume when he's talking about those older, bitter gentlemen and women, I will remind you, Kyrie Irving, you, should, you really should respect your elders, sir. I think it's important. You know, when we think about Kyrie Irving, you talk about bitter gentlemen and women, who's bitter? I mean, if everything, because according to you, everything isn't defined by money, right? So outside of the money that you're making, what is it you have that everybody would want? I don't know the answer to that question. It's just a question. What you should be doing is hope that you live as long as we have. You're about 31 going to 32 years old. I pray and hope to God that you live to see 55, 60, 70, with your wonderful wife, father, and family, and all of that stuff. Bitter old gentlemen and women? Really? You sure about that? Sure about that? Nobody's bitter about Kyrie Irving. We just point out how incredulous we are over some of the things that you say. You're all over the place. How can you be free when this is going on in Africa? How can you be free when all of this other stuff? Because you're not in those circumstances, in those situations. It would have been more accurate if you said, how can we, how can I be happy? How can we be happy if this is going on, if that is going on, if such iniquities and insidious stuff is going on throughout this world? Yes, that's true. But if you're not the one experiencing it, you're not the one going through it, then it doesn't put you in the same circumstances as those people are. So if somebody's enslaved, that doesn't mean you're enslaved. It just means you're lamenting the fact that someone else, a brother, a sister, is going through that. But make no mistake, you're not. These are the kind of things that we're accustomed to hearing from Kyrie Irving. While the smoke is blowing all over him, and it is sage, ladies and gentlemen. Here's the problem, Kyrie Irving. Do you really think those executives that are looking at you and contemplating the possibility of giving you the money that you want are looking at that and noticing it's Sage, you sure they're not thinking it's weed? You sure they're not thinking you're getting high? He's not, ladies and gentlemen. It's just Sage. It's the same kind of stuff that he was spreading when he was walking around TD Bank Garden when they played against Boston a couple of years ago. It's Sage. It's clear it is. To me, but to an executive that doesn't know any better, what are they going to think? What are they going to interpret? You got to pay attention to that. And you're going to have a whole bunch of people out there that's just supported Kyrie Irving, blind faith, and not taking case by case. Again, I am not sitting there saying he's done anything wrong. I'm saying that you have to pay attention to the fact of how something looks to somebody else when you're looking to get their money. You ain't giving yourself 200-plus million dollars this summer. You're looking to get that elsewhere. That's why you wanted out of Brooklyn, because Brooklyn didn't want to make a long-term commitment to you. So you wanted to go someplace else. You're hoping Dallas might do it. You're hoping the Lakers might do it. We get it. I hope somebody does it too. If Kyrie Irving, with all of his shenanigans, all of his issues, whatever they may be, if Kyrie Irving is going to show up to work Ladies and gentlemen, play that brother $50 million a year. Give him a four or five-year deal. Give him a four-year deal for $200 million. Go ahead. I don't care about anything other than him showing up to work to play. If Kyrie Irving's going to show up, pay him because he's worth it. I swear to God he's worth it. He is something special. Give him the money. If you can ensure, he's going to show up to work. That's it. Hell, I'd go buy him some sage to get Kyrie Irving. I'd buy him some sage and anything else he wanted. What you want? You going to show up to work? You going to play like you play? Please. What you need? I got you. I'd have sage all over the damn arena. For him. But we know it ain't that simple. We always know it ain't that simple. Before I get on out of here, I got something else that I want to close out this show with. I want to turn to, it's not politics, but I've been very, very annoyed watching people on TV and specifically Tucker Carlson for Foxes. I usually don't call out people, okay? But I'm just only bringing up his name. I don't know who else did it, but I was flicking the channels the other day. And yes, I watch Fox News just like I watch CNN, just like I watch MSNBC, just like I watched this week with George Stephanopoulos, just like I watch Beat the Press on Sundays. You know, I, I watch them all. I watch everybody, every chance I get. And I'm flicking channels. And I saw Tucker Carlson talking about the insurrectionist from January 6th, 2021. And I have to tell you that I got really, really pissed off. Because what they're saying is that the reports didn't highlight. And I saw and I turned to a channel and I watched Bill O'Reilly, the No Spin News. And I've always respected Bill O'Reilly's work on television because of this one reason. Ladies and gentlemen, say what you will. But for 20 years, almost 20 years, Bill O'Reilly was number one. The O'Reilly factor on Fox News. Bill O'Reilly was number one every week, every year for 15 plus years. It was complete domination. It was complete domination. So I've always respected what he accomplished in the world of television, okay? And I've been a guest on his program once, uh, a few times in the past as well. But I saw him talking about it, but Tucker Carlson took the cake to me. Because he was trying to act like, you know, they only showed... You know, violent protesters, as if, but they they didn't show the peaceful protesters and one particular individual. I forgot who was what his name was. He was wearing horns, some 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 helmet on his head with horns or whatever, and how the police just escorted him in the chambers and stuff. These are peaceful protesters. Who the hell are you fooling? Who you playing with, Tucker Carlson? I'm not sitting up there and trying to call out Tucker Carlson overall. I don't watch him. I don't know much about him. I'm not trying to castigate him as a person or anything like that. I'm talking about this one incident right here. And there's one other incident I had from years ago. I forgot what the subject was about, something that he said that I didn't like. But this one incident about Tucker Carlson, you know, you're full of it, bro. You're full of it. You're trying to sit up there. And be so literal. You know that's not the point. For the record, Tucker Carlson is not wrong when he points out that not every protester was a violent protester. Of course we know that. But the fact of the matter is you had no business in the state capitol. That in and of itself was criminal behavior in the eyes of many at the very least didn't look up look up the law to see what specific law they were in violation of, but to cross those barriers. You had protesters, insurrectionists kicking in windows, kicking down doors, damn near crushing police officers through the, 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 the swirling doors. Four people in the crowd died. One officer died. That's five people who died. You know what their names are, Tucker Carlson? Officer Brian Sicknick, Ashley Babbitt, Kevin Greason, Roseanne Boylan, Benjamin Phillips. Dead. Dead. Ashley Babbitt was killed by a Capitol Police officer as she clambered through a broken window. Her last moments captured from multiple angles on video showed Miss Babbitt showed Miss Babbitt with a Trump flag knotted around her neck, being hoisted to the window as others in the mob shouted. Ladies and gentlemen, this is, see, Tucker Carlson, this is, this is the duplicity of certain things that you do. You see, if you go and you rob a bank, but a person didn't rob a bank, but he drove the getaway car. He's involved. A player for the Alabama Crimson Tide, a basketball player, Darius Miles, was just arrested on capital murder charges. He says somebody else shot a 23-year-old young lady who's the mother of a four-year-old. Damn it, he still got charged. The insurrectionists, the violent ones, we know every single person there wasn't violent. But if the pathway that was set for you to walk into the Capitol peacefully and be peaceful while you got there was initiated by violent protesters Then they were the violent protesters. You may not have been violent, but you're involved and you were complicit because your presence inside the Capitol was capitalized off of the violence that preceded your entry. Who don't know that? Who doesn't know that? One thing about Tucker Carlson is that we know he's smart. He's not stupid. He knows that. But you want to portray something else. Why? Why? Because you want to deflect attention away from the insurrectionist. Fair enough particularly in the political landscape that we're dealing with, you're going along partisan lines. Focusing on the insurrectionists favors the liberals. In your eyes, focusing on the peaceful protesters favors the conservatives. I'm guessing. No problem. Just say so. Instead of trying to act like, oh my God, the story wasn't really, really told. The real story wasn't told. The real story is that they were saying, hang Mike Pence. The real story is that they were looking for Nancy Pelosi, too. And they wanted to get their hands on some of these elected officials. And God knows what would have happened to them had that happened. The vice president of the United States. And his family were there. There is no question that lives of elected officials were in danger. You know it, Tucker Carlson. Everyone knows it. They weren't endangered by everybody that was in attendance. But there were quite a few people who were there who were violent protesters. Over 400 people were arrested. And you got folks in serving time in jail. The list goes on and on. We know what happened. And I just read you the names of five people who died. And you had the audacity to go on the air and try to highlight that there were peaceful protesters. And then y'all wonder why the hell the country appears to have gone to hell in a handbasket. It's because of this BS. BS like that. I'm not calling Tucker Carlson BS. I don't know him like that. I'm talking about his coverage on this specific story. We'll never have civility in this country when you're doing stuff like that. Never. I'm out, y'all. Till next time, enjoy your weekend. This is Stephen A. No Mercy, signing off.